It is easy to say you don't believe. It's easy to pass on talks of spirituality and religion. Belief is faith-based and involves thinking that breaches the unknown. Some people like to live in their own world, made of completely scientific views and fact-based answers. For the philosophical thinkers, though, some questions are not so easily solved. For the mind of paranormal enthusiasts, there are times where our curiosity can get the best of us, and it can leave us with reoccurring regret and turmoil for years to come, and sometimes attachments to the dark. For those that have faced the devil, he is very real, and his demons are at work within the world and people, and maybe in work in you right now. One such case is Paranormal Task Force member Nicholas Campania, who through his high school years was a member of the occult. For him, those years are a blur, and the only real thing he remembers is what is still attached to him. This episode will be broken into two parts. It's not the typical Frankie and Jeremy banter, the sound bites and laughter. No, it's far more serious than that. Because in this episode, the devil is truly in the details. Welcome to Graveyard Shift. So you've been, in your time there, we talked a little bit earlier, you've been there about eight to ten times during your adolescent years within high school. Your first couple times down there, was it just messing around and checking things out? First three times was checking things out and seeing where things, places were. I mean, you had certain places where they had altars. You would have the aqueducts that held the water and everything. And you would go down first three times was going down and looking at the art, too. The art was awesome. You had your favorite bands up there. You would have just different pictures. You'd also have your satanic emblems as well. There were symbols that you would see. If you knew where you were going or knew what the symbol was, it would direct you to a certain altar just like any other religion, Satanism is symbolic. They use their own symbols to the people that are involved with it to follow and see where they're going. Metro public, they would have no clue. They would, you know, think nothing of it. So when did things take a dark turn for you when you were down there? What was the first real experience? Probably my fourth time, fifth time going down. Friend, I was always been around. So give me a visualization. You, you said go down how many flights would you say how many how many feet of earth are you down at this point if you're going down by layers you're on the fifth level there's about 10 foot for each level so if you're down by the fifth level you're between 50 and 60 foot down so the air is air is thin but it's still have enough to hold have enough oxygen for candle lighting how many how many people are you with at this point at this time i'm with four or five other people that i met through my mutual friend of ours we walk down, you know, we have one level that's done for something, you know, one thing, we have another level done for something else. We go down to the fifth level where I did not realize it was what they call a power ritual. One to absorb power and ask, you know, Lucifer for the power to do you know, whatever with. I didn't realize it was more of um, an animal being sacrificed. And that was my first experience with, with the ritual. Can you take us through that? What what exactly happened, and who was doing the ritual? There was a, a priest there doing it. He was uh, dressed in a black robe on a stone. How how old would you say this priest was? I'd say probably mid forties, right around there, late thirties, mid forties. Did he talk to anybody else, or just to perform the ritual? No, he talked to well, he talked to one other person, and that was the assistant, I guess. I'm, at this time, I'm still fairly new with what was going on. Talked to them before the ritual. 
the two up by the altar. And uh, they're chanting and talking. I'm looking around just figuring what's going on. And unfortunately, I, you know, I gave a cat. And cats are very symbolic. Soldiers, warriors, well way back to Egyptian times. So, like I said, I hear a cat. And uh, then I don't. Not realizing what's really going on. So I'm in the back just seeing what's up. Then I get a glimpse and they actually slit the cat and took the blood and sacrificed it for this power ritual. And I was like, I don't know if that's for me, but I kept going, getting more involved. It just started to intrigue me. And so when the cat is sacrificed for the ritual, for the power ritual or whatever it was, the priest kind of sets up the altar. I'm, I'm guessing he says a couple words. Or yeah, he would. He said, but I don't even know what he, you know what he said. Honestly, it just it was so, it was dark, even though the candlelight was there, and I just did not. I wasn't focused on that. I was trying to figure out what was going on. This is my first time ever being there. I mean, I'm in dark clothes, not you know jeans and dark jeans and t-shirt, but I'm not dressed up. And some of these other folks are in robes. Hmm. On the sixth level. On the sixth and seventh levels, and that's when I, that ritual's over. We all go up. I don't ask any questions because it's not really. Yeah, you don't want to be the out guy, right? Exactly. I don't want everybody knows like, oh, he's a newbie. They want to try to blend as much as possible, but then that there, I mean, it intrigued me, but it scared me even more. Okay, but not enough to keep you away from it. No. You would go down again. Yep, I went down one other time, and that was just for the. We're back with. Well, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back to that. We are discussing the Aquadome. We went over the first real experience where it got super hardcore for Nick. It was not enough to deter him. And so this is now the second time that he would experience something that is really the turning point in Nick's life. So, Nick? Well, the second one, you know, like I say, I I wasn't involved deeply into it, but enough to another ritual, but this one here was just, it was a false solstice ritual. The, that, this one here was, I didn't think was any issues, but I found out later on, as I went through the ritual, that, you know, there's another sacrifice of another cat. And same thing as the first one, similar, or similar to it, it's just, you hear a cat, and the next thing you know, you don't. And it, this one here really got under my skin. I'm an animal lover. I love animals. I have two dogs and everything, like as it is. And I just hearing hearing an animal, then all of a sudden silence struck a nerve. And after that one there, I just basically said, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Saying this to myself and, and nobody else. Because it's not that easy, is it? No, it's not. It's not easy. You just can't leave was it not only from a psychological standpoint because yeah i cats are my favorite thing in the world i i even hate hearing about it you were not directly involved with any sacrifice with any knife this was something that you observed so let's just be clear you were a young kid you had 
an adornment at this point for the occult. You were getting involved in those circles. You had friends that were deeper than you, that stayed in longer than you. You witnessed the second ritual, and you said basically, yeah, I'm out. This is not, I'm not going to be around here while animals get killed for no reason. So, Basically, yeah. I mean, this might be, you know, you can say that it's a, you know, however you want to put a, a cop out or whatever, but I'm just like, things opened up for me a little bit more after that. I mean, I wasn't going to church. I, you know, I was still in high school, you know, senior year when this happened, and I just never thought I'd even get into it or be intrigued by it. But something pulled me into it saying, you know, wanted me to look at all the look at it and see what it's all about and what all the hype is and got sucked into it. Do you re- do you relate it back to the Ouija board? I do. Because with the Ouija board that is something, you know, you can get it at any store which I don't think should be allowed. Just for the simple fact because people mess with it. And things can and will happen. You know, it just it just does. It's an opening to a gateway that people don't understand. It's an invitation. Yeah, it's an invitation to say, Hey, I'm here and you know, say what you want about it, you open it, you better damn well close it because that pole stays with you. And that was my mistake with the Ouija board because we never finished it by saying goodbye. Right. Do you think that that, if you were able to, and this is probably an impossible feat, but to pull those people back into it and try to get that to close it? Not unless I had that original board. Right, and that's how that's what people don't understand. Yeah. Every board is unique. You think they're on a printing press. You think they're just cardboard, and you can be the biggest skeptic in the world. And you know things don't affect you because you're skeptical, and the, and the reason why they don't affect you is because they're not trying. They already know because the the biggest trick the devil ever pulled was proving that the world didn't exist. Correct. And this is why these things are allowed to be printed. I cannot tell you how many letters I sent at that point because there's no internet to remove the board. And everything we got back from Parker Brothers and Hasbro was, it's just a toy. It's been with us. It's part of the legacy of our brand. We've never had any here real side effects where it would let us believe it still does really good in sales but they weren't listening to the people that were being affected by it they told us that we were whew, that was scary yeah. <laughs> been talking about this stuff not this paranormal stuff. <laughs> not yet um, <laughs> but so anyway getting back to the topic at hand you are on a new journey you see this last ritual, you're sickened by it, you're, it just strikes a nerve with you, and you decide to leave. And what is the fallout for that? What does that look like? Like I said, that was the se- my senior year, so that would have been 91. And I graduated in 92, so a year to a year and a half after that, I was lost. I didn't know what to believe, who to believe, or what to do, you know, spiritually, mentally. Tried to go into college. I mean, I just went to a community college in St. Charles. I barely made it through the first semester. And then after that, I was just like, I'm done. Right after I turned 19, I decided to move out of my parents' house, which is a part-time job with a friend that my parents did not like. And that didn't last long, so I mean, I was lost. I had no clue what to do or anything. This is almost like 
post-traumatic stress syndrome. This is like an effect from. Yeah, it's an effect. But I mean, it's just, I didn't know what to, like I said, didn't know what to do. Didn't know where my life was going. Didn't have a girlfriend at the time, you know? So I'm just like, just me. And unfortunately, when you start, when it's just you, your mind wanders. Sure. And you want to say, well, maybe I should have just stayed. Was there anybody that uh, went too far, took their own life, anything that you were a part of that within that group? Do you know of any that? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. I mean, the people I hung around, I haven't seen since then, since my high school days. I've seen my classmates. You know, we've gone to class reunions and all that, but those weren't the folks that I actually hung around with. Any of the ritualistics? You never saw those priests again anywhere outside of it? And no, I never saw them at all. I mean, it was... More what, and if I did, I wouldn't know who they were. Hmm. Because their cloaks were all hooded. And they got to give it to you whereas you concentrate on what's going on with the ritual and not them. They're there as a priest. Moderate, yeah, moderators and, and stuff. Moderators. Do you think that the kid that you became, right? Because like when you when you just say so loosely three years, for me it's like that was kind of like just a blur. Like three years just went by, like time had no conception at that point because of what you were involved with. It really didn't. I I really don't remember much of my high school years. I mean, I, like I said earlier, I know I played baseball. I know I played soccer. I was good at both, and you know I had friends. Anything outside of that, I remember, you know, going to some dances and you know, saying who I went with. But other than that, it's like I really don't have any recollection, you know, of teachers or or, yeah. um, or anything else like that. I now I know who my friends were at the time because I've seen them. I still talk to some of them, but it's just all it's one big blur. Did you ever see the third party that was at the Ouija board again? In my own mind, from a paranormal standpoint, because this is a paranormal show, do you think that she was a part of that group, or do you think that she was possibly an entity that only you saw? I don't know. Because I, I don't know. The only reason I say that is because when we picked them up, picked up my, my girlfriend, my buddy's girlfriend, at my girlfriend's house, there's three of them there, and, they, and she was in the middle of them all the time. You know, it looked like, you know, I heard people talking. Mm-hmm. I was driving, you know, but I heard voices and I heard people talking. So I just assumed that's what she was with, with the group. I didn't care. Didn't bother me. No, it's like you can bring a friend, you know. 
So were I, you asked prior to that, hey, I'm going to bring a friend, or you just got there and everybody got in the car? No, everybody just got in the car. I didn't know anything about it. So I'm just like, okay, that's cool. And so when you when you wake up from this trance in the Ouija board, she's not there? No, I didn't see. There was just the, the my girlfriend and then uh, my friend. My friend's girlfriend was still in the trailer. Didn't ask. We had, you know, at the time, I'm not worried about where everybody's at. I'm worried about what happened. And then you just left that evening, and that I have that is blocked it on my memory. That is, I, I don't want to remember. But her name would resurface. It did. Recently. Yeah, about six months ago. Do you want to talk about that? We can. Recap here. Mm-hmm. He goes through three and a half years of a cult at an amateur level. Interested in it, trying to get some bearings on the situations that he's been a part of. He goes to two rituals at the Aquadome, sees two cats being sacrificed and killed. The first one really strikes a nerve with him. The second one leads him to be like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I love animals. I don't want to go this deep anymore. He leaves. We are circling back to the beginning of where we believe this all started. The attachment begins with the Ouija board. We are in the mindset right now to believe that there was a third party at this Ouija board seance that he remembers being in the car, he remembers being at the house, but after he zones out, trances out, she's gone. And he would not see her, they would not speak of her until what, 15, 16 years later? Roughly. So tell us about, you hear her name again. Her name did come up with my second investigation with the Paranormal Task Force and event thing and we had attendees there uh, after midnight session if you will to the after night session and there's two women one is a, as a medium and another is their partner we go into a room where there's paranormal activity that has been said to have happened we go up there it's above the kitchen and it's for the most part, pretty quiet. We use a pendulum to basically see if there's any spirits up there, you know, whomever might be up there from the family. Well, one particular spirit is actually uh, something from my past that I forgot about for all these years. And uh, using the pendulum, we ask some generic questions to it. And, you know, they're yes, you know, to the questions, you know, are you here with us? Um, do you know who we are? Do you know who? so-and-so is that was in the room and then the question came up do you know who Nick is and it said yes so we're like okay we had asked that do you like Nick is Nick a good person you know do you like him and the swing is yes I'm like okay the person that's with us and I said we like Nick too and at this time the pendulum got very erratic like it's, it did it started going in a um, counterclockwise motion Yes would be backwards and forwards for this particular session, and then left to right would be no. It was going yes, everything was good, until the point of, well, we like Nick too, and the pendulum just started going counterclockwise crazy. And they had asked, like, if we angered you, we are sorry. So did we anger you? And it swung yes. So they had asked asked it again, would you like us to leave the room? And you can talk with Nick. It swung yes. So I had told the couple to go outside the door 
leave it open enough to where as you can hear my voice, unless you can hear it through the door, and you can make note of what questions I'm asking and what the answer is. So I'm in there in this room by myself, and uh, I'm asking questions. You know who I am? How do you know me? Is it, are you from my past? Did I know you? Asked about those three questions, I brought it back, had the couple come back in, and they go, all three of them are yes. I'm like, okay. And then next thing I know, one of the women said, did you hear that? I go, I heard something. It sounded like a female voice. And she goes, it said a name. I'm like, well, I didn't hear a name. Well, the name came across. The name was Amanda. And I was like, I don't know any Amandas. I never dated Amanda. You know, nothing like that. But after thinking about it, I figured out Amanda was a gal's name that was at third party at the seance with the Ouija board. And I had blocked that whole scenario out of my mind, name and all. Just didn't think about it until that night. That night came up, Amanda's name came, and I put two and two together. And this is what, maybe your second or third time going out with the team? This was our second, my second time going out with the team. So you're... So you're embracing it. You're you're embracing this at this point, right? I mean, after 19, you were lost, but you did have some traction. You know, you got married, you had some kids, you got divorced, yes, and then you got remarried to Nikki, Correct. who you guys are having a great relationship, and everything's been awesome. Yeah, and then you decide to get back into the paranormal, mm-hmm. and this is <laughs> second time you go out. They know you. These forces. This is what this, a lot of people don't understand either. Once you open that up, they'll always know you. Correct. Me and Jeremy were in Lent Mansion. We opened up the Ouija board. I said I didn't want to play. He said, don't worry about it. I played. We asked, do you know anybody in this room? They said, yes. We'll give us the address of that person. And they typed, basically, the board went right to my old address. And I freaked out, left the room, was almost in tears, because they never forget you. No, once that doorway is called a portal, once it's open and if you don't close it the proper way or at all, they'll find you again. And even sometimes, depending how deep you get into it, if you don't, even if you do close it, there's other ways that they will, they can manipulate others to find you. And you still feel you have an attachment because somebody told you that at that same, that same day, right? At that same day, that was down when I was in uh, New Orleans. Okay. We, uh, Nikki and I went down to New Orleans for our honeymoon back in 2015. Fell in love with the place. We were there for a week. I mean, we even discussed about moving down there. So we went down and we go to Endless Night's Vampire Ball, where Nikki and I embrace the vampire culture. And uh, during, uh, right before the ball, it was on Saturday, so Friday night, we go for the opening ceremonies and whatnot. We speak with the a woman down there that we become very good friends with, and she is a medium. We talked to her through Facebook two months prior, you know, just nice as can be. You know, she runs her own business she, and everything, so she goes, I need you to talk to a friend of mine. And, you know, she's pointing to me. I'm like, okay. So I go over and talk to a friend. Friend stand next to me, he goes, you have an attachment. Mind you, I've never saw this guy before. Never talked to him. Don't I have no idea who he is. I, even, I never got his name either. And he goes, you have an attachment to me. I look at him strange and I'm like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. At this time, I'm not looking at anything to be, you know, 
thinking about anything about my past or anything else. So I'm like, okay. He goes, it's very angry. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, after that, he just quieted down and we left. And after that, you know, I met, we met up with, with her again, with her medium, and she's just like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm just really freaked out a little bit about what your friend told me. He's like, well, he's pretty good. He's really good at knowing that someone's around. He's my assistant. I'm like, okay. So we just went on with the, to the weekend, met a bunch of new people, and all of a sudden, someone interested us and had fun. Didn't think anything about it. Well, that was back in, that was last year, so that would have been 2017 was our first vampire call. After I got home, that's when Nikki and I really started really opened up more so about my past and that's when I started putting some things together from my previous marriage my hmm. first marriage I was I was angry a lot and this sort of clicked with what this attachment was and still is I just now within the last year learned to control it I never lashed out or, or abused you know my ex-wife or else in my family I never did anything like that but I would just get so pissed with the drop of a hat that was the downfall of my first marriage mm. so it's interesting how it resonated with you yeah but today you are looking forward to finding out what this attachment is we have some guys in the team that are pretty experienced as well and maybe that's the future for you I can't speak for anyone but you as a self we talked a little bit about your want to know more about this. You, there is something about you. You do have some kind of connection with that side. Correct. And you want to use it for good. Having never really going back to the faith, but now believing in the power of God. Correct. How do you explain your belief system now? Because without the devil, there's no God. Without God, there's no devil. Correct. I mean, it's a balance. There's got to be an equal balance. I mean, that's just the way everything, in my eyes, sees You've got a positive for every negative. I mean, you've got to have that balance. You don't have that balance, then it's you're totally off kilter. I mean, my belief system is, you know, I believe there's a God. Like I said, I also believe there's a devil. But you've got to have an open mind with it, but know when to close it. You leave yourself open too much. That's when things start attaching to you. Because they know, well, I can probably get this person or their soul. Mm. I attach myself. For me, I want to be able to help others basically get through what I get went through and let them know, hey, don't want to go down that road. And if there's already that road that they went down, I want to be able to help them sit and to help them back out. But I also want to go in even further. My focus is demonology. I want to know how they work more so than, and it's hard to do, because you got to have this knowledge of past and present. You're ancient. Fall. The fall. They just got up. And that's where my path is. I think I can help others. So you're you're taking it to a different level this time around. This time around it's no longer the curious kid that, you know, wants to be a part of it. You almost want to be the person that's gonna try to prevent or stop or help someone that's involved. Correct. Nick, I wanna thank you for being a part of uh, not only Paranormal Task Force, but being a good friend to us and uh 
being on our podcast and sharing a lot of some intimate things that you went through as a child and as a kid and how it still affects you and sticks with you. And if the one message that we kind of want to send to people is being a part of the paranormal is fun, being and reading about it and doing your own research. But there is a side that you have to be careful. You have to be careful of what you're letting in. You have to be careful of how you're going about things. And you have to be careful about the people you are with. Because sometimes when these things happen, it's not only you, but it's the person that you're next to that's really conjuring these things. And those things can sometimes attach to you, make you do things you wouldn't normally do. So we thank you very much for being on the show. We hope to have you back with Nikki about and talk more about the Vampire Clan, which I think will be a cool Halloween episode. Okay, cool. So, do you want to have anything else? Any messages to anybody? Or? Just be careful out there. Well, that's our show this week. Um, we hope that you guys come out to one of our events. Please check us out on Facebook at Paranormal Task Force. We have open dates available for November, and I believe there are some left in October. We have uh, Randolph County Asylum in Indiana. Um, I'm not sure of the exact date, but April, we have some openings for that, too. Well, that would be very fun, because then we can check Jeremy back into the nuthouse. From all of us here at Graveyard Shift, part of Shift Films, we thank you for listening.